ecosystem. Okay, <laughs> enough. Okay, welcome to our last podcast. Mm. Even though the last one was supposed to be the last podcast for this project, I'm doing a podcast. So this is actually the last podcast. So Thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> You're welcome. So I'm back with Kieran. Even Hello. though he doesn't know anything about this class. I did not take this class. No, it's okay. He provides an outsider insight of not knowing anything. Yeah, great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay, so our first task is to speak back on the course content, which you can I obviously can. do. Yes, very much. I'm going to let you take this question. I'm going to let you answer it. <laughs> you just do you. Well, we did... Well, basically, we need to pick three policies to go over, and the ones that I wanted to do were, um, like, women's issues in public women's policy. Studies. Stop. <laughs> um, women's lasers. Stop. <laughs> so, Kieran has a problem where he constantly refers back to parks and recreation. He can't help it. It's actually a disease. So, just <laughs> excuse that. So... We're going to talk about um, stop <laughs> women's issues, um, uh, child welfare, and public health because I okay. think and education because I think those That's all four not three I know but I think yeah. that public health and like education and welfare all tie into each other so that's why I wanted Ooh, to talk. That's about a thesis statement right there. Ooh, thanks. Okay, so basically, when we first talked about um, like violence against women. Okay. I feel like we kind of left out some things. Like, for example, we never talked about, like, anyone in the LGBTQ plus community. That's true. We did not talk about that. <laughs> yes, you were in the class, you know. Um, but I think it is notable to mention that, like, trans women of color experience, like, some of the highest rates of violence. Um, and I think that also, I guess this is maybe a little off topic, but... I remember reading this, like, interview with um, this author, and she said that she thought that we could not talk about, like, trans women's issues and women's issue in the same, like, like, I don't know, context, I guess, because the origins of violence are different, and she got a lot of heat for saying that, um, because people thought she was saying, like, trans women aren't real women, um... And for me, like, my interpretation of that is I don't, I don't think that's what she was saying at all. And I think that, like, it's true. Like, you can't really talk about it in the same way because the origins of violence are completely different. Like, and the same goes for, like, violence against women of color, too. Like, you can't talk about, like, sexual assault against white women and sexual assault against Native American women in the same way. Right. Because, like, Native American women get targeted for their identity, and that's the same thing, and, like, their location and that's the same thing with um, trans women is they're usually targeted because they're trans, not because it's like domestic. I mean, domestic violence does happen, but the origins are different. So I think you have to talk about it in a different way. And also um, trans women of color experience like different intersections of violence. And so if you like lump it all into one conversation, I think it takes away from... I don't know, I guess the urgency and the reality of these people. Um, and I think that this is true with, like, all women's issues. Because, like, for example, when we talk about the women's rights movement, we just talk about it as this thing that overall was, like, really great. And, like, of course, it was a good thing. But at the same time, like, we forget to mention that 
the, these women that we hold up so high and who were leading the women's rights movement were actually like very racist hmm. and excluded black women from the movement even though they were like behind them mm-hmm. and were supporting them the whole time and I feel like that's kind of true when you talk about like any issue like especially like Black Lives Matter like that was created by two black women and black women are always like standing behind black men supporting them and then black men don't do the same for them and like don't treat their issues the same way and that's that's like a really big problem in the community so yeah I think if we're gonna have public policy in that way then we have to not necessarily like make distinctions like I don't want to separate people but you do have to make like bills and policy that targets like the actual like way people are affected and especially when people are affected like due to their identities sure no that that makes a lot of sense because yeah you can't legislate uh i mean you you have to legislate across the board but there's so many cleavages Mm -hmm. that it's hard to have it not disproportion disproportionately affect different groups right because like we just have right now most of the public policy we have is kind of aimed aimed towards helping white women Mm -hmm, um and that's a lot of like i don't know public policy how it's gone throughout history is that it's been like helping white women and helping white women's issues but not women of color and so like affirmative action helped only white women for the most part Mm -hmm. and so that's a really big fallacy when it comes to people's arguments against um affirmative action they always say that like it's unfair and it's like it's not fair to everyone else who is applying on the same level but really like well yeah it is unfair but not in the way that they think because they think it's unfair towards white people but yeah so then also I wanted to talk about like child welfare and public health and I think that really ties into those issues too because if you're talking about like adoption, um, I think it ties into like the socioeconomic aspect of it and Absolutely. how a lot of women are not supported in like abortion or like family planning or contraception and the people in those communities are often um, women of color, especially like poor women of color. Sure. And so they don't always have the option to like... Check. Sorry, a person came in. Um, yeah, they don't always have the option to, like, I don't know, get real help or get, like, help that's actually supportive of what they need, whether that be an abortion or contraceptives or, like, an actual, like, family to take their child. Often, like, they have to just go into foster care, and then children of color who go into foster care are treated far worse, and they're left in foster care for far longer, and so you just kind of hit this place of intersection where if you don't deal with one issue, the other doesn't change. And um, also just going like off of public health, I guess. And this is also related to like education in school. I think it's interesting that we don't really talk about this in the concept of like race, um, but it is actually very racial, it's like anti-vaxxers. So the people who are like most likely to be anti-vaxxers are like upper class like, middle, upper-class white women. And, like, I don't necessarily believe that you should, like, like, put a ton of vaccinations into a baby, like, at once. Nobody does that. 
Yeah, I know, but that's what okay, okay, that's yeah, the argument right. that people okay. make. So yeah. I'm like targeting the argument. I thought you were saying. No, no, no. I was like, are you an anti-vaxxer? Because no, no, no. our friendship is over right now. No, um, but that's like the argument people make, and I don't think that like anybody thinks that you should do that. But at the same time, I think that in the U.S. or being in any developed country, you like no matter who you are, you have the privilege of like choosing not to vaccinate but if you're in a place like africa or you're like in the meningitis belt where there's like epidemics that sweep and just kill people and like like in the meningitis belt in like burkina faso for example if you like get meningitis and you like somehow heal it you still lose all those days of work and that's like devastating to those households and so for someone in a country like that or a continent like that like regarding all of africa um to like say oh i don't want to vaccinate because it could make my child autistic or there's too many vaccinations all at once like that's that would be insane no one would say that but here like because we have the privilege of being in a place that's not like totally covered with diseases or it's not like as common people like work to eradicate it because our um, generations before us have actually taken it right have actually gotten vaccines right so now we have this like privilege where we don't even think about it and the thing about it like anti-vaxxers is that they don't take into consideration how it will affect people of color and so like for example i know that people in my family and people in my community don't really think like the flu is a big deal because if you get the flu like you just go to the doctor and you're fine like it's just like it's like a cold but worse you know that's how i've grown up thinking about it but if you are in like poor communities of color, it's also like devastating. So when you have like the option to get vaccinations and you just like totally bar against it, like I think it's kind of, I don't know, overly privileged and it kind of irritates yeah, me. Absolutely. Um, because I know like we learned in AP Hug too. I, sorry, I'm just saying that because you were in this class, so. Bringing it to a place I, where we can... I took AP Hug. Yes, I know. It's AP Human Geography for you lay people out there. <laughs> yeah, we were forced to. We didn't have a choice. But people of color often live in places that is, like, behind prisons or um, behind, like, waste treatment facilities. And so then that will, like, go into their water and they will be in, like, food deserts. And so in all of these public health aspects, which connects to health and connects to vaccines, like, they're not able to get the same quality of health in general and I think even being in like a place like Bellevue even if you are a person of color like or even if you are like on the the lower end of the socioeconomic scale like there's public health clinics and the public health clinics give like dental care and medicine and free contraceptives and it's different though because Bellevue like the city of Bellevue has a lot of money and so these clinics are actually like fairly well equipped to take people you know like the Eastgate Public Health Clinic it's right by the bus yep yeah and how they gave us like the cards and health class yep I still have mine so the purple teen clinic card yep I do too for contraceptives as well yeah so like and even if you go to like a school in Bellevue they will like they have people come in and like give you information and they the school like gives you a card and health class that like advertises for the public health clinic so I feel like also, if you're in an area that has a lot of money, like, 
you have a lot more opportunity and that was what we kind of talked about in my um my interview which was actually with Kieran's dad (laughs) my stakeholder interview we talked about um public policy in like city planning and stuff and he mostly told me about how city of Bellevue like has a lot more power than places in say like Auburn or Renton because (laughs) the city has so much money so we have the power to like go beyond the ascent like what is considered like the essential safety decisions to like (laughs) right no I I totally agree um to like talk about racism and ethnicity issues and like how people are affected and what is kind of interesting to me is that we don't think about this as like an essential part of city planning we think about it as like an add-on like if you have extra money then you can do it and that's kind of like I don't know it's really shitty in my opinion because all the issues that you have to deal with from city planning and public health, if you, like, tackle racism first, then it would diminish a lot of these problems. Like, if you are talking about how to, like, affect public safety in parks, if you talked about, like, racism in housing and stuff first, then that wouldn't be as much of an issue. Well, yeah, but it's also, like, a huge deal to combat racism. It's, yeah. like, a, it's going to take, like, okay... You're not fixing either of them. Like, you could fix more problems by solving racism, but we still haven't solved racism, and it's been... Well, it's not about solving racism, because you're not ever going to be able to do that. But it's about, like, you should tackle both at the same time. Like, you should integrate them. What? (laughs) You should say that, then. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She's doing very well. I haven't talked at all. (laughs) Yeah, actually, my dad, he always tells the same man who did that interview... (laughs) My father, he always says, if you have money, you have choices. And um, that's true. He's, that's why he wants me to not become a music major. But <laughs> really? Do you say no, that? He, no, he wants me to be a music major. But, like, if you have, if you, <clears throat> whether you're a city or an individual person, you can, like, you, may be, you might be unhappy if you're really rich, but you have to press the power button. Oh, um, you might be really rich. And you, or you might be unhappy, like you're lonely or whatever, but you have the ability to make decisions because you have, like, opportunity and you have privilege to be able to do that. Right. And we have that in Bellevue, and a lot of places don't have that. Right. And that makes combating racism a lot harder, too. Yeah, and that's what I think it connects to um, education as well, because, like I have said before, like... People at our school had, like, so many more opportunities because of the money that the district had. Like, there were so many programs that helped people, and also, like, we all got computers, like, from the school. And so, like, even if you didn't have, like, Wi-Fi at your house, like, you could stay at school. Like, they had, like, clubs where you could stay at school. Like, Jubilee Reach, like, would help you with your homework. Like, everybody there. They had a homework club, too. Yeah. If you don't like, you know, Jubilee Reach. You know, homework club was through Jubilee Reach, right? Okay. Um, But then, like, Jubilee Reach also had a community center, and it was, like, sponsored through the school, and they do a lot for, like, people of color who are, like, on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale. So I just feel like when you compare it to, like, places in Seattle that have, um, like, predominantly black schools and those schools, like, don't have any money, like, even for the city of Seattle, like, the city of Seattle has a lot of money. 
Right. Like, so this shouldn't be a problem, but it's just not, like, allocated correctly. And just, like, on a different issue, I am always kind of annoyed because I feel like there's... Seattle doesn't have a money problem. We have an allocation problem. Like, people don't know how to, like, effectively use money in the city. And it's really annoying. But that's a... It's good thing you don't live here. Yeah, good thing I don't live in Seattle. <laughs> Fuck that. But... Oh. It's okay. My professor swears all the time. That makes it okay. It is. He's pretty awesome. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah. Just, we talked a lot about education. And I think at the end, we talked a lot about how education is both, like, freedom, but also, like, a prison. Like, at the same time. So, when you look back at, like schools like residential schools for Native American children and people who are like taken away from their culture and shoved into like white schools and it's like trying to take culture away Mm -hmm. but at the same time you have like when you look back at like slaves the only thing that they weren't allowed to do was like learn to read and write and so then when they got to like make their own schools and have their own like colleges that was like that was freedom was being able to learn and you hear all the time people say like education is power like education is the key to success or unlocking things or having options right and i think that is absolutely true but it's who's creating the education and who's deciding what's done because for a long time we've had white people deciding the public school education system that's true and so like sat testing and like other types of testing that target like the white audience like leave out people of color and also mm-hmm. the idea of like success we have like I know in Sammamish this was a big problem is the idea of success was like going to college and like yeah. I feel like we didn't really provide any other options like in senior year that's true that like college was all we talked about and we had college visits but I never heard teachers ever talk about other options for people and the fact is like if you're undocumented and you find out like when you're applying to college then like what are you supposed to do? Or if you just right. don't have the money and you, like, were not able to get grades to get literally a full-ride scholarship, like, you don't have an option. Right. And people say, like, oh, well, you can just go to community college. Well, community college still costs money. Right. So if you, like, don't have enough money to do that, then, like, yeah, you can work, but that's just, like, a completely disproportionate burden to put on someone that they have to, like, work and like maybe come home and take care of their like siblings and then also go to college and then you expect them to survive in the same way and thrive and it's just they can't because they're not set up to do that right and so i think that we really have to change like education policy like for example i don't remember which nation or tribe it was but i saw that this one tribe in canada i believe has created like an immersion school And so they're bringing back, like, their language and their culture. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Like, we have immersion school for, like, French, Spanish, like, Chinese in Bellevue, you know? So I don't understand why. I think the state should, like, fund those and the federal government should fund those, like, immersion schools for, like, native languages because they're the ones who took it away. So I think that's a way of, like, giving back, like, in reparations because... So I guess now just going into reparations, that wasn't really what I meant to do, but I guess Ooh, we are. a segue. <laughs> An accidental segue. Um, so when we talked about reparations, um, a lot of people think about Is that it. Is this one? Hmm? Is that this one? Number four. 
Okay. It's fine. We're not going anywhere. Oh, oh, oh. Um, but when we talk about reparations, a lot of people think about it as, like, money. And, like, giving back money to communities. Like, a while ago, there was this, there was this, like, protest to give all black students at University of Wisconsin, like, free education. Um, like, give any black student applied, like, free education. And I think that when you talk about, like, money and reparations, there are a couple problems with it. Is that, like, then for the people who do have money, like, it doesn't really do anything. Like, if you're, like, for example, like, someone like Lindsay, who is, like, I mean, she's black, but she, her family's incredibly rich. So, someone giving her money does nothing for any racism that she's endured. And especially for uh, people who are Native American, like, it's also not about money. It's about culture being taken away and culture being, like, literally illegal. And now people take it and they use it as a costume. So, I think... um, maybe like having public policy that lets that creates like groups of people of color to start like new education systems or like change the way public schools are run or start immersion schools for certain indigenous cultures and other cultures that have been like taken away i think that's a really good idea for like reparation decolonization and like public policy at the same time um i think also decolonization is kind of an interesting word to use um i think it's i I don't know kind of inaccurate i think we should find a different term because i feel like decolonization is never possible like if this area has already been colonized and the effects are like everlasting so there's nothing we can do so i think yeah decolonization is not the best word like i was reading this poem um by this native american author and it said like 97 percent of our land has been given to other people we only get 3% on our land, so how do you map decolonization when there's no room for us? And for me, that, that like, one line was really powerful because it's true. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, like, force people off the land and, like, give it back to everyone? Or are you going to force people out of the United States? Like, right. that, the, only way, that. the only way to decolonize would be happen. to force everyone except Native Americans out. Right, which isn't going to happen. Right. Ever. So, I think... Maybe we need to find a different word, like maybe reculturalization. Okay. <laughs> like bringing culture okay, back. Okay, all right. <laughs> like they did um, in Maine, I think. They have this um, committee for, I can't remember what it's called, but the, oh, the Committee for Reconciliation okay. and Healing. And so they have they like will go and talk to like indigenous communities and just like ask them about like their experiences and stuff um and that's like i think it's been implemented worldwide in canada and i think that as public policy like i don't know i think it should be public policy but i don't think it should be thought of as like bringing like change i guess i think it should be for healing and for indigenous communities to like have a safe space to talk about what they have been through but I don't think it should be considered like something that's making a big change because it's not changing policy right and like even though you're talking about it even if the government is like recognizing how they fucked up like if they're not doing anything it doesn't matter like you can say sorry a million times but if you don't change your actions or you don't like make it better then it doesn't do shit right, right. so I think that there needs to be more done I guess so like what do you think would be, like, a good public policy? You had to, like, just think off the top of your head. Knowing absolutely nothing. 
that's a... About this class. I mean, I know some stuff. I. But about just public policy in general. Yeah. Well, I think... <clears throat> this this is coming from, like, like, a more liberal, like, more government stance. I think if we had smaller individual governments that mm-hmm. were able to target uh, different parts of society, maybe not different... Maybe just areas, because that seems to be how we split a lot of our stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if more power was given to local government and, and they had more uh, ability to affect change at a smaller level, it would help a lot, because um, then you could focus on particular issues that right. the, the majority of the people care about, because that's what, we're, that's what everybody's trying to do, no matter what level of government you're at, but it's harder to do that when you have to oversee a bunch of people and half of them don't agree with the other half. Yeah, I agree. <coughs> and also, like, giving power back to <clears throat> to tribal governments. Yeah, that'll help a lot, too. Yeah, I think that there should be... Agency. <laughs> <laughs> there should be more of, like, a cooperation and a collaboration between local government and, like, tribal governments. Because right now, where it stands is, like, maybe there is a little bit of cooperation, but it's mostly, like, the local, gover- the local government and state government making decisions for everyone there and then like <laughs> barely including tribal governments or being like okay you can like make some laws but we're still going to have the ultimate power and it should be like like equal power right or i mean maybe not equal power because local government oversees everyone but like there should be more cooperation there should be more like right. bringing in these people's like attitudes and opinions and like what they think and i think just especially like changing how public schools are run and like like what your dad was saying to me is that there has to be like people of color making decisions in like city planning because if you don't then like nothing gets done and nothing gets fixed and so like those voices are absolutely essential there you need that perspective for sure yeah and because even if you're a white person and you're incredibly educated on these issues like you probably don't have that emotional connection to it that makes you motivated so you can be like yeah I understand this but like maybe that's not as important right now and so having like that ability to have the emotional disconnect and say like well it's not that important is I don't know I think that's a problem a lot that we do with people of color that we just say like oh it's not that important or like they'll figure it out and so like having those voices is essential um and then so I wanted to talk about um like the trips we took so I guess you weren't obviously you weren't here I did not go on those trips I know <laughs> um so first we went to the COCA I don't actually know what that stands for but we looked at a bunch of don't give Renee <laughs> I'm just kidding Stop. she's been talking the whole time she deserves an A oh my gosh, yeah. anyways um so we looked at a bunch of art pieces and a lot of them were about like undocumented status and like the effects of that and I thought it was really powerful. Um, just, I don't know, I think that when it comes to like undocumented people and the undocumented experience, we don't really talk about it mm-hmm. like as a day-to-day experience very much mm-hmm. and I think we should. Like we only talk about the extreme things like being put into detention facilities or your parents being deported and like obviously right. that's a huge reality but like we should also talk about like what happens day to day. Like right. if you're undocumented and you know about it, like you probably live in fear all the time. Yeah. And you never feel safe because and you feel like 
maybe that you like just don't belong here and no one wants you here because of all the rhetoric that goes around and like I don't I could not imagine living like that like every day feeling like I was in danger or feeling like any day my parents could be taken away from me and like you know immigration wasn't even like criminalized until like a certain point like before I don't remember which year but it was like fairly recently that it was criminalized Mm. like and I don't know like I understand I guess people's like issues or I guess worries with a ton of people like coming into the U.S. but I also like from my perspective obviously it would be like like we would want like anyone to come in and like everyone like that would be the ideal and I guess that can't happen yeah well people are unreasonably scared of change yeah. And, I mean, immigration is what this country is built on. That's what everybody always says, always. Um, yeah. But then the idea that we have of America, so, you, I mean, you have to allow them in. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think that there's, like, this ridiculous rhetoric that is, like, I don't know, people, especially from, like, Mexico, they're like, oh, they're, like, going to commit crime or whatever. And it's like, if you're an undocumented person, you're not going to want to do anything to make your status known. Right. So you're not going to come here and commit a bunch of crimes. Right. That's literally, like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. And most people, like, most undocumented people actually pay more taxes than, like, the, like, average, like, quote-unquote American. So, I don't know, there's just this, I guess this is kind of off, off topic, but this is, like, what I thought of when I was here, is that <laughs> there's this completely, like, inaccurate idea of immigrants. And also there was that girl who died recently and I think the person who murdered her was an undocumented what? immigrant. Yeah, and so I don't know what is it? I there's a lot of girls that die. She was this like young white girl who got murdered by an undocumented immigrant and then okay. um the media and like Trump and the people in that administration were like, Look, this is an example, like this is what like undocumented people do. Like look at the like Mexicans, they're they're murderers or whatever. And her dad was like, don't use my daughter's death as, like, motivation for your racism. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. The, college, the college student, right? Hmm? The college girl? The yeah. The college student, yeah. And he was like... I remember that. Because this, this has nothing to do with his race or his status. Like, like this absolutely ridiculous, like, don't use my daughter's death. And I remember seeing, like, people's Facebook comments, and they were like, I don't care what her dad says. And it's like, you really don't care about that girl's death at all. You're literally just using this to fuel your own agenda. Yeah. So... People, like, want to act like they care and say that they care about the issues affecting the people from, like, immigrants or whatever, but they Mm -hmm. just want to use their racism to be, like, validated by this shit. And I don't... People like having their ideas reinforced. Yeah. Unfortunately. And then we went to Fry Art Museum, and we saw, like, this... So basically there was this ship that was like coming to America carrying slaves and the slaves revolted and turned the ship and I think they went to Haiti I could be wrong, I don't remember Um, I'm very sick right now so I'm having a lot of problems remembering things and forming words so I'm very sorry anyways um, but basically the government here, Congress like had the this account of what happened and someone took the um the papers and they blacked out all of it except for like certain words they felt like 
like talked about their actual experience mm-hmm. because in all ways this was like a victory it was like getting out of slavery but then the congress took it as like oh my gosh like look at this failure what happened like mm-hmm. they got away like what are we gonna do um but i thought that was really interesting because i think in a couple ways like the blacking out was representative of like people of color and their like ideas and their experience being like blacked out and we only mm-hmm. see like the white words from it um so yeah I thought that was very powerful and there are some other weird exhibits there not having to do with races stuff at all but there was like this really weird exhibit with like I think I sent you pictures like, like there was this head coming off a wall, of a wall and there was like rainbow coming from it anyway hmm. um yeah um there was something else I was gonna say and I don't remember what it was that's really annoying Hmm. Okay, tell me your thoughts while I try to remember what I was trying to say. My thoughts? That's crazy. What? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think these mural... What does it say there? Coca edition of mural and Fry Art Museum? Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool that... I mean, I didn't know about any of that stuff. When when any like when these art installations are there, like, I mean, like obviously I don't follow their newsletter or anything... But I'm I'm glad that in some capacity we have a way to talk about it because that's a, a big agent of change. Uh, I remember what I was going to say. Okay, keep going. All right, thanks for interrupting me. Wow. <laughs> By the way, it's rhetoric, not rhetoric. Okay. Just so you know. Wow. Okay. I'm but, sick. And so I so like we need more because like I, <laughs> I yes I'm I'm a music major at UW and I'm a white male and I don't know about that and I feel like I should. And so you're I, going like, to see a concert tonight. Yes, I am. Great. It's not about turtles. It's a string quartet. Not important. I, I know. What were you going to say? Um, oh my god, I don't remember anymore. Oh, oh I remember what going to say. Okay, so about this class. Um, there are a couple things. Like, So I really, really liked this class. Um, and I was really glad that there was like a forum to talk about it. But also at the same time, I was a little just... Dis- okay, so I was happy and disappointed at the same time about this. There were like, I think, two white guys in our class. And so... I was happy about this because I felt like it gave more people a platform to speak because they say like the people who are most likely to talk first in a class is like a white male and then a white female and so it kind of like trumps the space pun not intended but like takes away the space from people of color and this is a space like this class is especially where like those voices need to be heard but at the same time like it's also disappointing because I, like, I want more white men to, like, want to take this class. Like, I want more people, like, I feel like this should be a forced discussion. Like, I feel like this should be taught in elementary school. Like, it should, not necessarily, like, public policy, because teaching elementary school students public policy, they probably won't understand. But... And they're dumb. <laughs> true, children are dumb. Children are idiots. You can, like, trick them into doing anything. Like, have you ever tr- played the silent game with children? They're so stupid anyway. Wow, that's really on topic. Great job. You brought it up. Anyway. You never brought it up. Okay, whatever, it's fine. Mm. Anyways, anyways, mm. I think it should be like, I think it's essential to education and how you think about the world. And I think that if we like, like imagine how different we would think about things if we grew up with these ideas, and we grew up with having this much information. And we like, you know, we think about like history and what you learned in like middle school and how that history was like built upon, up and up through high school. So think about it if you did that with like racism and how it was ingrained into society like 
how would people's opinions change and how like would our society change like obviously we're never going to be in a post-racial society it's impossible but like i think that there would be so much difference and so much more like motivation from like not only people of color but also white people to like make a difference if there was that conversation sure (laughs) so i guess i was a little disappointed to see that like there was only like two white men in this class and they like so one of them was actually my podcast partner and he really didn't give a shit about this class like he like didn't do the reading and he would wouldn't show up to class and like i get it he was a senior but also i feel like like you should care you know I'm your part, podcast partner i know you are my podcast partner now um but he said like even when, the few times he did show up he said like yeah, I, like, didn't know any of this. And I'm like, yeah, you should show up more and you would, like, learn things that you didn't know about. <gasps> School teaches you things? Yes. I would never have imagined. <laughs> but then... That's not why I'm here. I'm here for the drugs. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> but also, the other white guy who's in this class, like, the first time we had um, the seminar, like, basically... We had to do seminars every week. Not every week. Uh, one group had to do one seminar, and it was on Thursday. And every every person in the class had to do it once. Okay. And so we all got assigned a topic for that week. And that week happened to be, like, violence against women of color. And so it was... He, he, there were two guys in the group, and one of them was a person of color. And, like, most of the people in that group were females... And people of color. And he totally, like, took over the conversation. Really? Yeah, and, like, oh. spoke for all of them. And then he, like, had this discussion about, like, jeans or whatever. Like, this jeans, je- this jeans ad. Okay, and then... Oh, like, this- like actual pants. Yeah, not- yeah. And this one girl raised her hand to, like, say something. And she was like, well, I think this. And he was like, no, that's not right. And, like, totally, like, Damn. mansplained to her and, like, shut her down. And our professor was like actually her view like aids what you're saying like it adds on to what you're saying it like actually validates it and he's like no 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 no. that's not what i'm saying and it was just so frustrating because like to see a white man up there like with women of color literally standing behind him and he's like speaking about the experience it was like that is such a fucking metaphor for like what we're doing right now all the time because he's like no your idea isn't correct this is what's happening and i'm the one to tell you and it was just, like, so shitty, and that was so annoying. So it was, like, disappointing that even the two people who took that class, like, weren't invested in getting anything from it and weren't right. invested in, like, they weren't, like, I want to be here and I want to listen to people. Right. And so it was, I don't know, frustrating. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is the thing that we talked about on Thursday was, like, the idea of being articulate. <laughs> and like how um, people of color talk like African American vernacular dialect. Do you know what that is? A A V D. Do you know what that is though? Yes. Do you? Okay, so no, just you don't. Pretend, no, just pretend that I do. No, it's just late. keep talking. That's no. fine. Don't so, explain it. African American vernacular dialect is saying things like ain't or like talking in that type of way where we consider it to be like gang language or like poor people language. And, um, so we think of that as, like, very, like, that's not articulate, that's not the way to speak English, it's not proper, and also people who speak, like, quote-unquote, broken English, um, like, people who don't 
have English as their first language, we talk down to a lot. Um, but I just thought the idea of, like, broken English is interesting because there are a lot of, like, white Americans or people who have lived here their entire life who have spoken English their entire life as a first language and their parents speak English who can't fucking speak English. Like, they don't know, like, certain grammatical things. Like, they don't know the difference between, like, like you are, like... Your and your. Yeah, right, or two and two. Or there and there. Yes. And also there. <laughs> like, I see, like, white adults doing that all the time. But then have the fucking audacity to tell people, like, oh, you can't speak English? Like, you know what? You can't fucking speak English either. Like, you know what? I'm... Watch your profanity. mine. Like, I'm fairly certain that everyone in our generation uses literally incorrectly. And some of them, like, me, I even know that I use literally incorrectly, and I do it all the time. And so, like, if you speak English like that, you also speak broken English, even though it's your first language. And you're not necessarily being articulate. And what is articulate? Who defines that? People who speak good. (laughs) People who speak good? Yeehaw. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think that uh, we use certain ideas to reinforce our own like racial bias and racial stereotypes and that's a big one is that we don't want to take like I don't know how do I say like responsibility for the choices that we make or how we speak English but we want to yell at other people for it and I think that's a big metaphor for the U.S. is like with human rights violations for example mm-hmm. the U.S. sits here and we chastise like other countries and continents in the world for like human rights violations like especially Africa and like Africa does have a lot of human rights violations but so does the US and they will never take responsibility for it and for like human rights treaties like they do everything they can to not be involved so it's just frustrating for me and there are a lot of things that happened in this class that were like very I guess metaphoric for like what happens in the government today so solid Solid. So, would you take this class? Yeah, take it. <laughs> Do you think it's valuable? <clears throat> I think it's definitely valuable. Valuable conversation to have. So you're gonna take it right um, next quarter. I already signed up for classes next quarter. So you're gonna take it spring quarter, right? I'm taking oceanography next quarter. <laughs> That's more important. Um, yeah, I'd I'd be happy to take it. It's just like so you we better fucking this, take oh it. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> okay. Um, now I lost my train of thought, and it's all your fault. Um, I was gonna say, we, de- we should have this conversation earlier. I think, um, like, I've always learned, like, most, almost all my teachers growing up, um, were white, and, um, I think... Beckerman. We de- yes, Miss Beckerman was one of them. <laughs> I just, I think we should have, um, a bigger conversation about this earlier, because I think, you were talking about earlier about how, like, kids are stupid, but I think kids are smart enough to, like, start having this conversation. Right, I agree. Because I think, I think younger kids are a lot more empathetic than we take... Um, the they're more apathetic empathetic oh. yeah and I think that we sometimes they're not don't worry sometimes they bully each other like you did like you got bullied when you were a kid but <laughs> but I, I I think that they like can understand more than we realize yeah that we're like more than we give it credit for um, and I, I definitely think we should like have a culture of this and well, we don't kids are very adaptable to ideas and that's they're idiots that's a problem you just said they were smart yeah and I'm contradicting myself okay what's the problem here but yeah, kids are very adaptable and very able to like recognize certain situations. So when you tell a kid like, or you implement those ideas that like black people are bad or like Mexicans are rapists and murderers, right. they're like, they're gonna take that so yeah, easily. They're gonna hear that on the radio and say, yeah, the TV, I guess. 
I don't know what you call it. I don't know what the kids use these days. Twitter? Radio? I don't know. Yeah, the five-year-olds use Twitter. Oh, yeah. They don't use the radio. You don't know that. But, yeah, I agree. It should be a bigger discussion, and there should be more recognition and responsibility from the government and local government and schools and everyone. 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 We filled all the uh, requirements. The requirements we did, indeed. My name's Kieran. My name's Ananda. And this is the Kieran and Ananda show. <laughs> this podcast is over. Goodbye. Wait, I just want to say oh, one more my thing. Bad. So, when we were talking about, like, language, I don't know why I was thinking about this, because... Yeah, but I was just wanted to do this for you. So, do you remember in Parks and Rec, when they were in that oh. public forum, <laughs> and that white lady stood up and she was like, basketball... Brings undesirables to my neighborhood because there's definitely a certain type of person who plays basketball. I was like, wow, that's what a lot of people think because there's a lot of satire in that show. Indeed. Anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been a great class, and you know you will secure it in the future because I'm gonna make him take this class. She can definitely do that. She yep. has the authority to do that. I do. I'm actually his parent. It's. No, my parents don't get to decide my classes either. Well, I'm your class decider. That's not a Yep, okay, bye, thank you.